This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West, not the Deadline Day podcast, and it's Deadline Day, but it's actually it's actually not really Deadline Day at all, is it? Because um, well, apparently there's, there's a clause in the contract which says that Deadline Day is not Deadline Day. In fact, Laney, I've got a joke for you. When is a Deadline Day not a Deadline Day? Don't know, Bill. When is a Deadline Day not a Deadline Day? Today. Today. The line is not dead. Indeed, indeed. So listen, my name is Billy Grant. I'm here in 1 over the 8. We come to 1 over the 8 because we were really excited. We changed our podcast to a Thursday because we thought, let's have a traditional Deadline Day podcast. We had a live broadcast from here two years ago. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Well, not very much stuff actually going on at all, but we, we made it very exciting anyway. And we thought, let's come back here and let's recreate the scenes because, as we know, we had a few things going on. Ryan Wood's there's, there's smoke there's no smoke without fire as they say and there's Mepham there's Ollie Watkins we thought tell you something let's find out at 5 o'clock whether it's all going to happen we came here and we did our deadline day podcast and then we found out oh no deadline day isn't actually over we've still got a few more weeks to go and we'll explain about all that a little bit later but like I said to you my name is Billy Grant and I'm here in 1 over the 8 if people don't know this place it's not very far from Brentford at all and it's on the site where Brentford Football Club was founded the rowing club back in the day and it's there overlooking the river and uh, it's very nice it's opposite QP where all the Millwall fans will come off in a few weeks time um, yeah and it's all good and like I said to you they take very very good care of us so uh, quite a few fans come here before the game actually I've popped in there a few times and I've seen fans down here chilling out before they go down to Griffin Park but like I said I'm Billy Grant and to the left of me I have the man his name is Dave Lane Lane how are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Yeah, I love this pub. It's, it's really good. It's uh, very, very stylish. You can, as you say, you can see the river. It's a really nice vibe to this place. So. Were you looking out the window? Well, you can't actually see the river because the, the trees have overgrown a bit. But the river, I'm assured, is there. I think maybe you can see it from upstairs. As you said, like a couple of years... When you were looking out the window, was it, was it closed? 
It was ajar, mate. It was ajar. It, it wasn't fully closed. I thought it, I thought it was about to close, but then it was uh, it left a little bit open. So I mean, so basically, it wasn't closed at all. So it's, it's closed, but it was actually open. It was, yes, yes. That that will that will become evident in, in a little bit's time as well. But yeah, we we did have the uh, we did have a live podcast from here, transfer deadline day a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always eventful the, the transfer deadline day, uh, even when it's not transfer deadline day. Yes, even then. But I think Brentford fans will probably be a little bit, a little bit happy that our world's not imploded today. You know, there's, there's a still, there's still a chance we might lose one or two players. But you know, I think, I think what we've got left is pretty much maybe barring one, one player that. Is going to be the one. It's going to be, this is going to be the team or squad that's going to get through to January from now. We'll have a chat about Woodsy later. And I've got the man, the Allard. He's back on track. I think it's your first podcast this season, the Allard. Am, am I right or am I wrong? Or maybe it's the second podcast this season, <laughs> even. It doesn't well, really matter. I, I did the pre-season podcast. That doesn't normally count as a full, full appearance. Does Absolutely it? not. I mean, the season it's starts. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's like it's like a James Sarkowski friendly cap, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wasn't counting that, and um, so yeah, this is my first appearance of the season. And it's good to see you, the Allard, as well. And you, uh, like I said, you came across the, the, the bridge of the river there, and then you're looking at, uh, out the window of the bus, weren't you? Uh, yes, that's right. That's exactly what I was doing. Was the window open or closed? Um, the, the window was. It was semi-open. So, 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 semi-open. So I mean, I mean, you confused the issue there. I mean, it's either open or closed. It can't be semi-open. No, it was. It was a little bit open. So, so basically, things could still get away. Is that what you're saying? Things could still get out the window. Yeah. That's indeed. Well, okay. We will come back to that a little bit later. We've got Savvy B in the house. The Savvy, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I'm currently looking uh, through the window over your shoulder. And through that window over your shoulder, I can see the arch where Brentford Football Club actually started. Oh, okay. Excellent. And uh, uh, what, 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 what shape is the arch or the window? Well, the, the, the arch is arch shaped, but the window is um, it's kind of little square things. And uh, it's quite a nice window. It's, uh, is it open? It's slightly ajar, yeah. You yeah. say it's ajar. Is it open or it closed? It's uh, it's uh, slightly open, slightly closed. So, so could anything get out there? Do you think? I, I think something could get out there, but not if you wanted to go to the very top. Ah, interesting. Okay, very poignant. The savvy B always comes with a bit of poignancy to the podcast, and that's why we invite him because there's not much poignancy going on on this podcast. So anyway, like I said, oh, Billy Grant, we've got other things going on in this show, this bumper packed show. What we've got is we're going to review Brentford's transfer window so far. Look forward to what we might lose when the real window shots on. 31st of August. We'll come back to that later. Also, we're going to talk to bloggers and podcasters up and down the country. They're calling into us now. They're so excited. They're telling us how their team has got on on deadline day and as went on we had got Sheffield Wednesday we got Sheffield United we got West Brom we got Birmingham City we got Nottingham Forest we got Leeds United they're all calling into us and they're letting us know exactly how they've got on the transfer day and how it's going to impact their season. And also, we're looking forward to Saturday. Stoke City, we're going up there. We haven't been there since 2001. And we're going up there and we're going to have a right old laugh because we always have laughs and we're going to be talking to the Wizards. There's some Wizards down there in Stoke, you know, so so we're called the Wizards, the Wizards of <laughs> the Wizards of Drivel. The Wizards of Drivel are going to be chatting to us about Stoke City, telling us exactly what the vibe is up there. And also we've got our alternative besotted guide to Stoke City and we'll be talking all things Stoke at the end of this podcast. So it's a bumper packed transfer deadline day or not the transfer deadline day podcast but tell you what it's nearly friday 
I can't believe it's nearly a week ago since we gave Rotherham a right good thumping at Griffin Park. And uh, if you listen to our Love Sport Radio show, which is on Mondays now, 9 o'clock, live on Love Sport Radio, we talked all about that Rotherham game. We had all the fans from the game. We talked about that uh, really, really good vibe that was. Listen back to that show and it'll just give you our thoughts on that Rotherham game. But we're just going to have a little bit of a recap. Laney, Rotherham, that was a marvellous hot day, wasn't it? <coughs> Roasting hot, mate. It was, uh, it was almost unbearable, if I'm honest with you. Um, I had to go and seek shade. Um, it was, I've, never, I've never known it as kind of like as, as really oppressively hot as that. Uh, yeah, so how the players managed to rack up five, five goals in, in that conditions. And they had a couple of drinks breaks, but it was just great to see the see the team hit hit the, hit the ground running. There were some really excellent performances. I thought I thought more pace poaching was was like second to none. We seemed to make a lot of our chances really close to the goal. Um, we were shooting from distance or being too intricate on the edge of the area um, in a lot of games last year. But we, we we seemed to get in behind them and then be dragging the ball back from the the, the, the dead ball line. And I, and I thought there was some really good you know intricate um, corner manoeuvres, especially in the second half. And I was I was down right in the corner and I could see you know there was it was, it was some real practice, some real real um, vision that's been gone on in the training grounds. And I think. Against the uh, against the, the sort of the, the lesser teams, hopefully that will give us the edge. And I, and I think I was really really impressed that we didn't we didn't sort of splutter. And it, we, there was a potential there for a splutter on day one, but we didn't. We we, we looked great. Uh, Savvy B, I know you enjoyed the game as well. You can only beat the teams in front of you, and some people were very happy that we beat Rotherham. Other people are saying, oh, it's only Rotherham. You know, we shouldn't get too excited. Your thoughts on today? I think Rotherham's the kind of team that we'd normally draw against because they're like, sort of just parked the bus. But I think getting that that early goal after four minutes really uh, op- opened the whole thing up. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, nine times out of ten, you might play Rotherham and they'll park the bus and you don't get that early goal and things change. So you do have to beat the team that's in front of you, and we did. And uh, I, me, me and the rest of did the full 90 minutes in the sun, unlike some other people who scarpered after a couple of minutes, like the Liberal and Laney. But uh, no, we did the full 90 minutes and it was baking, baking hot. Uh, but yeah, performance-wise, fantastic. First time I've seen Ben Rama. Very impressed with him for his 20, 25 minutes or whatever it was that he came on. But throughout the team, really classy performances. And uh, for the first time, I think, in, uh, in a long time, we've had a back four that are actually all around six foot plus. And uh, they all looked really, really good. And I think we, we can cope with a lot from now on. Ball, and ball playing back two as well, centre backs as well. You know, we had like Konza and Mepham. They uh, played, oh, I think, ninety-two percent pass rate was Konza. I think it was. That's uh, not. It's not even seventy-four. I can't go seventy-four because that's be too low. But ninety-two percent, and I think Mepham was something like ninety-one percent. So that is a pass completion rate, which is you know on the stats run, you know, it just basically means that they're good passes of the ball. But interesting, it's coming to the Allard as well. Obviously. We're going to come on to um, the Ryan Woods in a little bit. Ryan Woods was missing from the team on Saturday, but the team had changed up a little bit and we brought in a couple of players who, you know, have been in and around the first team, but haven't been complete and utter regulars. And they've come in and the, there was a different complex, a different feeling, a different texture to the Brentford team on Saturday. Do you think that this was a positive thing, considering the result and the, the team that we were playing against the Allard? Um, no, it was a, it was a, it was a great result. Um, I, it's difficult to judge you know you can only beat what's in front of you that's a bit of an old cliche but it's true um, I, I thought Josh McCracken I thought do you know what I actually thought he looked 
he, maybe this is where he's slightly different to Woods. Is I think he looks forwards a bit more than Woods, um, but that also means that you know he, he does try some impossible passes every now and then. But I think there's a slight difference there. Um, in terms of the centre backs, 92% pass rate. That was really because Rotherham didn't even try and press when the ball was in our half. So it was you know that I, I don't think that's much of a stat to shout about if I'm honest. Um, but it was a you know it was a it was a it was a, it was as good a performance as you as you would hope for really. Like you say, you know we we sometimes struggle in these games, and um, I don't know about parking the bus rather, and they parked a quite a small mini bus was about as, as much of a bus as it was. Um, but you know it was it was good it was decent, wasn't it? It was a good it was good. I think that really did help us actually that Rotherham didn't kind of visually park park the bus as much as I, I thought they I thought they would or could they could a couple of uh, couple of seasons ago. But I tell you how hot it was on Saturday, Bill. It was hotter than the YouTube videos I've seen. Oh, of John- it, sorry, I thought I thought you were going to go Stevie Wonder and say it was hotter than July. But anyway, should we move on. Listen, we've got lots and lots and lots to talk about. It's our bumper podcast, which is that. It's not the Deadline Day podcast. We thought it was the Deadline Day podcast, but it's actually not the Deadline Day podcast. But listen, we come and do it anyway, because we're so happy and enthusiastic. We're going to come back after this little break, and we're going to talk about transfers. So the transfer window is closed. Well, for now, anyway. And um, Brentford fans, Brentford staff, everyone probably is quite happy at the moment now, because on paper, our team is relatively intact. When I say relatively intact, we'll go through the ins and the outs. But the players that people were worried about, who might have gone, Ryan Woods, um, Chris Meppham, Ollie Watkins, and possibly even Romain Sawyers, they're still at Griffin Park, which means that people are going, yes, celebration, we can now get on with a party and we can knuckle on down and see if we can get that playoff spot. But hold on a minute. There's a little bit of a twist in the tale. If you check besotted.com, there's an article that I wrote late last night, which is Wednesday night. Um, I'd heard about this a few months ago. A few of us had heard about it a few months ago, and we didn't think it's going to really impact us. But then we realised as the window was getting closer that it was going to impact us, potentially, and other teams. Because they changed, as you know, the transfer window to the 9th of August. First of all, the Premier League did it. And they locked it down so that no one could do any deals after the 9th of August. So you've got to do all your business then. The EFL thought they'll do exactly the same thing as well and change the 9th of August, which will stop all this faffing around for the last three weeks. Players who might be coming or not be coming. Um, things like, you know, Hotter and Dean. Dean wasn't in of his heart in it the, last three, the, the first three weeks of the last season. Hotter didn't have his heart in it. We didn't know whether or not players are coming or going. We didn't know whether or not we can buy a player or not. We tried to get our business done early, but others like to do it late. So all of a sudden we thought, brilliant. Now that people have to do their business in the first week, means that we can get on with the football during the month. And then we found out, actually, that's not quite the case. What can happen is, because the loan window is still open, what play teams can do is that they can have a little sniff around and they can see if they like players or not over the next few weeks. And if they do like them, and they do like a player, they can offer him a deal to join them in January. But also what they'll do is they'll time over by loaning him from the end of August all the way through to the end of the month. So in effect, what you're doing is that you're just extending the transfer window. Absolute nonsense this is. Now, this is a situation which looks like it's affected Brentford. Not saying 100%. Give, give, give us an example using Ryan Woods as that example. Well, I'm going to use Ryan Woods as an example, maybe. So Ryan Woods has been going around that he may or may not go to Swansea. Swansea are in for him. The bids are in, the bids are, you know, they've bid whatever, five million, five and a half million, six million. 
the reality is that Swansea needed to sell some players or sell because they're in a massive pickle, which we might talk about a little bit later. So Swansea are in a bit of a financial pickle. They need to sell someone to bring Woodsy in. It's getting closer and closer and closer to the window. Woodsy doesn't play, you know, um, the first game of the season. You know, he's out. You know, we've had to change our plans. Are we going to get another player in? We don't know if we can get a player in unless Woodsy goes. So it's all spinning plates. And then what happens is the window shut and Ryan Woods is still with us. And we think, all right, there he goes, he's still with us. But no, because Swansea still have another three weeks if they decided that they wanted to buy him that they can get the money together or do whatever they need to do and then they can get him on loan from the beginning of September to the end of the year but also put a firm deal to Brentford saying we'll pay £7 million for him in January but give him to us from um, from now, in effect, from whenever, tomorrow or next week or the week afterwards and we put him on loan through that here period all the way through. So <clears throat> no matter whether he broke his well if he got injured in his first game I don't want to say those words because I wouldn't wish that on him but if he got injured in the first couple of weeks of a loan period or his form dipped they would still be committed to buying him in January the deal is done you know the deal is put in stone the the lawyers will you know at the end of the day you don't need you only do a deal if the deal's right for you you wouldn't go and loan a player out for three or four months keeping your fingers crossed that you know that he's going to be all right because you might as well keep him for yourself and sell him in four months time so no the, the whole premise of this is basically teams that don't want to make up their mind or make up their mind late they found a loophole that they can actually basically buy a player now and in effect what they do they buy him the official sale is in January, but you just get him on loan for a few months and you probably bung the team in a bit of extra money and stuff, and that's the score now. now. This is very, very annoying because what we have now, we have a scenario where Ryan Woods, this is sold, he's been brilliant for Brentford and he's played really great for us. He has been out for a few weeks and now he technically should be stepping back into the Brentford side. But we're actually planning forward because we've got a player who wants to move on. A lot of people are saying, sell him. You know, get rid of him. You know, or some other people say, don't, don't let him go. Let him stay to us till, till, till the. It's like, what do we do now with Ryan Woods, lady? Well, you know, it's it's a very difficult situation because you know, if all the time another team can dress up what would look like a loan to buy deal as a, actually uh, a buy deal in in the loan window, it's it Brentford. Well, the selling clubs always at a slight disadvantage because. They technically we would want we think now that we should be in lockdown mode we should have all of our players that are currently with our, our squad they're, they're ours till January no messing around the fact is that the, uh, the Football League have left, left this kind of vagary like as, as a problem is, is it beggars belief to be honest with you um, personally my, my, my gut feeling on this is that we should keep Brian Woods regardless of what Swansea do until January we need to maybe incentivise him financially give him a bit of a pay rise and just say here's a bit of extra money every week you, unfortunately the team that you wanted to join have not met our valuation for you Brentford will only ever sell when our valuation is met you're a Brentford player till January if not longer unless someone else comes in and you'll, you'll, you'll carry on being that enthusiastic Brentford player that we, we, we know and love whether that's a reality I don't know the Allard, I'm just going to ask a question. I mean, listen, we know all this about players. All of a sudden, you know, your heart's totally into Brentford. Then all of a sudden, a situation comes where somebody else is going to bring you in. Your head gets turned. You've been offered more money. You've been offered to be the main person, the main man. And uh, and you're there. And all of a sudden, the move doesn't happen. And 
it affects everything because it doesn't only affect you, it affects your team, it affects the players that the team is trying to bring through to replace you. I mean, how much is this going to affect Brentford and what should they do next, do you think? Um, it, I don't think we've been... I, I don't remember us being in this situation before um, going into a loan transfer window. Um, I, I am still a little bit confused because I, I believe this was the same setup three years ago. I think we've just gone back to the way it was three years ago. I don't particularly remember this loophole being um, explored and used that much during that period. It certainly wasn't used against us. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, it, it certainly would appear that there is a, from what we can make out, from what we've read in the press and that, there's a bit of a thing, you know, Swansea won't want to pay this much, Brentford want this much, and now this could drag on for another um, three weeks. So, what, sorry. But what I'm going to say to you just quickly is that I, I understand you said this was the same as, 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 as a couple of years ago. I think the slight difference between now and a couple of years ago is that the transfer deadline finished on the 31st or the 1st of September yeah. and then the loan window carried on for that for a, a few yeah. more weeks, two or three weeks. So what you had is that you had a month for the season, the transfer window, then you had the loan window. This is a different scenario where where you've got you've got the beginning of the season started or hasn't even really started, and you know what teams are like. They see a player. If a player is hot over two or three or four weeks, then what they do is that they buy him at the end of the month. They say, "Oh, he's got oh, Andre Gray. He's a good player. Boom, I'm going to buy him." Well, we've got a situation where no one's got any idea really of what's going on. Harry Redknapp, you know, it's, it's the it's the Bruce Birmingham we City scenario. We, we didn't sell Andre Gray because of his performance in the first few oh, weeks. I was using that, that season, as an example, but, but, but yeah, I, mean. I hear what you're saying. I'm just I'm just all, all I'm saying is, is that I think we've gone back to where we were before. I don't. I, I, I am with you in principle that it's not. It is, that, you know, it's, it's it's not. It's not great. And it. And I don't. So, what did you ask me? What What should we do with Ryan Woods? Um, I. Whilst this carries on in this manner, I don't see any point in playing him um, because essentially it would appear after Saturday we don't. We wouldn't play him in the next game anyway. So I think we move on that way. Maybe he goes South End and plays. Um, and um, you know, I, I, I it's, yeah, it's, a, it's it's not great, but I just wonder that if Swansea are going to buy him anyway before the end of this window, would they have bought him today if there wasn't an option to extend it for three weeks? We'll never know that. And actually, does this actually affect whether he goes or stays? I'm not really convinced it does, to be honest. Um, but it does just drags the process out longer. Sav, we looked at a new Brentford on Saturday, and um, for me, you know, okay, my view is that I love Woodsy, I love all these players, but as soon as somebody kind of says, look, I don't really want to be with you anymore, I'm thinking we need to prepare for the future. That's just kind of where I'm at, because all you're doing is you're sort of stalling, you're stalling for two or three weeks or a couple of months. What's your view? We saw exactly the same thing last year with the three that went to Birmingham. They dragged out for the whole month. And then they went, and that really threw us. And the problem is that we were promised this year a change to all of that. We were promised that there would be five days of the season gone, then the window shuts. And we all thought that was a really good idea because we wouldn't have to put up with the rubbish that we put up last year, where people were just like, you know, had their heads turned, you kind of knew they were going, maybe they weren't going, last day deals, and it all sort of screwed up. And basically, nothing's changed. We've just still got that same thing. We were promised something better. That thing hasn't hasn't sort of come about, and it's exactly the same. And, and just sort of just want to make a just quick point of bringing Laney in there. The powers to be at Brentford actually apparently 
alerted the powers to be at the EFL and also a few and a few other people as well from around the league said this is not going to work. This is not going to work with this loan period thing because there's a loophole in there and they alerted them and unfortunately it looks like no one's listened and now we've got this situation which is a bit of a shit show I suppose is the best way to describe it. Laney? I'd be really surprised if um, Ryan Woods was actually comfortable in, in, in the situation. I, I think his interest in going to Swansea would have been under the premise that um, it was going to be quite a clean-cut deal and you know there would be no messing around of Brentford. Brentford Football Club has been really good to Ryan Woods, and Ryan Woods has been really good for Brentford Football Club. It's, it's, not, it's not all one-way traffic, but I think the relationship that Ryan Woods has with the fans and um, just, the, just, the, just the real feel-good factor that is, that is Ryan Woods... I don't think he would be really comfortable about jeopardising that, and I don't think he would want to be seen to be um, involved in a deal that was possibly messing Brentford around. I, th- I think I've got a feeling that he might change his mind about Swansea. I, I think I think there's a good chance that he might go. Well, if you couldn't actually stump up, you know, you've had you've had six years in the Prem. Um, you, you've got you've got finance. You've got you know you've got um, parachute payments for the next three years. If you can't pay six and a half million quid for me based on that, then really, you know, why why do I want to go to you? You know, I want your wages. Yeah, then I, who would begrudge that? He's got you know he's got a kid on the way and he's a young guy that is you know he's got a great talent and you know he needs to prove himself at the top level. But he's not going to prove himself at the top level at Swansea. So is he better just to bide his time, um, knuckle down and, and stay at Brentford till January where he might get a chance at the Prem again? And it's, it's interesting you say that as well because Stephen from the SOS Fancy who wrote in our bloggers um, uh, guide, pre-season guide to, this, uh, to, the, to the season with their predictions on how the teams are going to do. All 24 bloggers actually wrote the report. Besotted.com, go and check it out. Stephen from SOS Fanzine as well was very level-headed about where he thought Swansea were going to go. Number 13, he said they're going to, um, to, to to finish this season. And this is a consolidation season for them. He said we were in a real pickle last season and we need to fix a few things. So he'd be very happy with mid-table. So their fans aren't thinking they're going to be top table, top three or top five, top six. So it's interesting. I don't know what Woodsy's been sold, whether or not he's going to be top boy or whether or not it's strictly a financial thing for him. I don't know, but I mean, there's an argument to say that not saying we're going to be a playoff side but maybe he's actually got a better chance at a shot of getting to the playoffs with us than he would with Swansea this season but that's going to be exactly my point that who are the two teams keeping their squads as they are now don't forget Swansea have sold a few players Klukas Mawson and, and others so if you look at the two squads now which team has got the best chance of going up I mean I know I know he's got a young family and he wants to you know, secure his, his, you know, his, his future. I get that, but he's still like 24 years old. He's got a big move coming, you know, January next year. He's still going to have a really massive move in him. And, you know, it could even be to the Premiership. Another good season with Brentford. You know, he, he could be shop window or up with us. The, the Allard, do you think this could be just like a pushy agent situation? What in terms of just dragging this on? Oh, once once Woods to go. Um, I, yeah, maybe you know. I I think agents play a big part in it. I, you know what? I'm not sure how many footballers think about. You know, I, they all went to Birmingham, didn't they? And we all knew what a joke that was. I, I I've given up on thinking that footballers actually care about playing for clubs that are worth playing for. For me, it's just about money, and as much money as I can in the short period that they can earn money. I'm sure they've got parents. I'm sure they've got 
wives and I'm you know it, it, saying to them you know this is about and, and certainly agents clearly 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 agents that you have to maximise your earning ability in the short period of time you have to earn money um, and, and I've just given up thinking that there's anything more to it than that so, and, and talking about money and we're going to flip out here as well because listen we're talking about Ryan Woods we're going to talk more about Brentford transfers and the transfer deadline but what we're going to do now is we're going to talk to one of our bloggers we're going to talk to Nathan Carr from West Brom as well, he's going to give us his thoughts on West Brom's transfer window and exactly where they're going from there. Hi everyone, West Brom fan Nathan Carr here. Transfer deadline day itself has been rather quiet uh, for West Brom and Jalbion. Despite being linked with moves away, Craig Dawson, Jake Livermore, Nasir Chadley, Jay Rodriguez and Kieran Gibbs have all stayed at the Hawthorns, uh, which is good news. The concern, I guess, is what their attitude and mentality is going to be like. Um, we certainly don't want another Sado Berahino or Johnny Evans situation where uh, players' performances drop after not getting their move. Uh, so it's going to be interesting, I think, to see what the behaviour of those players is going to be like um, moving forward over the next few weeks. We've replaced outgoings uh, with younger, hungrier players uh, with a point to prove in the championship um, and in doing so lowered the average age of the squad, uh, which we needed to do. Having said that though, uh, I would like to have seen a strengthen more in certain areas of the pitch, especially at right back, attacking midfield and up front. And I know many Albion fans will agree um, with me saying that. Have we got enough creativity in midfield? Is there enough of a threat in attack? Those are the questions we're posing at the moment. Dwight Gale, I think, is a very shrewd signing for the championship. And he looked very sharp on his debut against Nottingham Forest in the week. But, of course, he can't do it all on his own. Uh, and he will need service coming from midfield. There's still time to invest in the loan and free agent market. And I wouldn't be too surprised to see a couple more additions made before the end of August. Um, definitely a right back, a creative midfielder and uh, another centre forward are really the positions we need to be prioritising. Uh, it's a work in progress though under Darren Moore. Uh, there's going to be lots of ups and downs this season. It's going to be a very, very tough season, I think. Uh, and it's easy to be negative, but all we can do as fans is get behind the team and get behind the manager. Come on, you baggies. <laughs> So that was West Brom, Nathan Carr. Good guy, Nathan, as well. Look forward to seeing him later on the season. Also, when he comes down to us, has never been to Griffin Park, I don't think so. I think he's very, very excited about that. But um, West Brom, uh, they sound like they've got a lot of players, don't they, the Allot? I think he named about 37, didn't he, during, that, during, during this is two and a half minutes. Um, yeah, they do seem to have a lot of players. I, I, I wonder if they're maybe a bit top-heavy and whether... Actually, you know, he, he, he refers to how many of these players want to play for us and then how much how long does it take to work out which ones do and which one don't when it comes to you know, when it comes to games and stuff like that. Um, Gail's an interesting signing I guess. Um, he's been there, seen it, done it. Um, so I think West Brom one of those sides we still aren't really sure whether they're gonna whether they are gonna, you know, kick on or not this season I mean I, I think with someone like Stoke we can be a bit more informed because we know what Rowett sign, sides play like we, with West Brom I'm still a bit unsure 
um, that they could be a walking disaster, or or they could sort of, you know, they could they could be a million miles away from Newcastle. It just depends if you can get the players going, really. Well, it's interesting. I mean, they're, they're obviously haven't had the best start of the season, but it's still very very early days. And Nathan said also it's very very early days. The thing is, I mean, if I was them, I was a little bit worried for the fact as as you know, being lower league as as we are, we like to have players who uh, come from our yeah. division and understand the division. And I think the problem that they've got is that they seem to have a lot of players who are on these big wages on Premier League wages who are there in the dressing room who could or could not be upsetting things and obviously um, Darren probably knows this and he's probably trying to work out how he can manage that but I think you know um, who's the player is it, is it um, Rodriguez you know um, I know a little bit about him but you know having him on the side he's probably on I don't know what 60 70 grand a week you know I mean he's going to be playing against players who are on sort of 6 or 7 or 8 or 9 grand a week as well and they're going to be wanting to kick him around the park is he going to be able to hack that he seems to be pretty robust. He needs a good haircut, but he's. Uh, I think it was important that for for the baggies, if they're if they're going to do anything this year, they need to kind of keep the nucleus of their best players. Um, Dwight Gale is that's a, that's a pretty good capture for them. He's going to get goals. He's going to cause problems. I think West Brom. Um, they're, they're going to. They, they're not going to. I don't think they're struggle struggle this year. But it's just like expectations. I think. I think um, Moore's going to always be looking over his shoulder that, you know, are the results good enough for him to keep his job? And I, th- I think it was good that they backed him, you know, even though they went down, they gave him a chance. But I think it's, they're the kind of club that is always going to be, it's always going to be talk, it's always going to be chatter. They're the kind of club, as soon as a premiership manager gets sacked, they're going to be linked with kind of a West Brom who are kind of the, the, the yo-yo. They, 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 were, they were the first yo-yo club, weren't they? That kind of like never, ever kind of sold their soul. They were happy to go down because they knew they were strong enough to go back up again. They weren't going to, they weren't going to bust it. It was that Jeremy Peace. He was their, their chairman and he, he did a really good job while he was there. Um, and, and he kind of established them and the ground's looking great and it, they, they, it's a good place to go to West Brom and they're really, really good fans but I think uh, they're, they're, not, they're, uh, they're not in bounce back they're not going up this year I think they've got to shed loads of players that I expected them to, to sell um, or, you know, or move on somehow and uh, I think they've got to be really careful because they're all on really big wages and by the time they get to January, if they're not right up there, they might have to really offload big time. They might have to cut their cloth because, the, the, you know, your, your, uh, your parachute payments aren't that much. I mean, it's loads compared to us, but compared to what they had in the Premiership. And if they don't cut their cloth, they're going to find themselves bust very, very quickly. So I think if, if, they have, if they're not in a really good position by January, you might see them really sort of fall away. Tristan, and just let's come back to Brentford again because, uh, you know, we're talking about West Brom, the players that they may have signed and they may have uh, let go. Brentford, we're talking about the players who have come in this season. We've talked about this quite a lot and Brentford's coming in on the first team have, uh, have, have not been huge, but they've been very, very happy with the signings that they've had. Like you said to you, is uh, Junior Janvier, who came from Rheim. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I've been practicing. Yeah, you're getting better every week. I'm mate. getting better every week. I'll tell you something. My, my, my French accents are just getting better every week. So, Jean Vier, very happy. Central defender. He did not play against Rotherham last week. Interestingly, obviously, he's only just been signed, but um, he is he is one of the top players. He was, I think, the in the team of the um, the team of the the season, Division Two for two seasons in a row in France with Rheim. They got um, they got promoted champions and they went up and then when they left the Rams 
players weren't very the fans. The old um, Chateau Neuf to Pap were in for him as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they were they weren't very happy that we signed him. So which is all good. So uh, it'll be interesting to see him and when and how he fits in. But obviously, with the window shut now, and we know that Mepham is not going to a Premier League team, which means that he will be with us at least until January, if not further. We're going to have a little bit of a juggle between him and Conzi and, uh, and, 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 and Jean Vier. So that's going to be good because we've got three very good centre-backs. Also, we have got Saeed Benrama as well. He made a little cameo appearance on Saturday against Rotherham. Again, looks a very good player. He did a little skill. If you don't check it, it's on the, it's on the Brentford Twitter. And uh, maybe we might have to put it on the Besotted Twitter as well, where he got the ball and he kind of just kicked it over this player. And then he just came around and he passed the ball to the other side of the pitch. And it was a proper techers move. The pass uh, wasn't so... The pass wasn't pass. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should have cut it off before the pass, shouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. 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 It was, he passed to somebody in row three, I think. Yeah. 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 But uh, everything else was, was, was all good and I'm sure he needs a little bit more practice on that one but yeah but they're also very excited about him we're excited about him as well um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a player and like I said at the moment he's a bit of an impact sub as well he's coming off the bench um, and then also on top of that we've got Erzy Konza as well came from Charlton Charlton fans very gutted that we signed him they thought him he's going to be a, a very good player for them he signed for us uh, I think England was he in the England under 20 team that won the World Cup as well so we got an England, an England under 20 player as well which is good and uh, a little bit raw needs a little bit work on him but he looked very good on Saturday Can he, okay he's playing against Rotherham who he played against last season so he's probably very comfortable playing against them needs to step it up but yeah he was looking very good and uh, so those are the three players and then the other one is obviously Moses Odebarjo he's played for Brentford before he went away and he's been training with us he played a couple of friendlies and they looked at him and they probably thought tell you something mate you can actually do a job for us you know what we're about we know what you're about and potentially you're a very good player and this one could actually probably be the signing of all the four signings out of them because no one expected anything out of that when he came back to us but all of a sudden it could be one of those ones where it's not cost us very much wages it's not cost us any money up front and if Moses Odebarju comes and is three quarters of the player that he was before that will actually do a job for us Laney maybe they've been really creative with this Moses deal I mean I, I know that he was linked with like Celtic and, and, and sort of bigger bigger club moves but you know it's almost a bit of a no-brainer he needed a club he needed he needed wages coming in I would assume um, and he's able to be in a really sort of progressive team again where he feels as he said on the video he feels like he's, he's, he's come home a bit um, maybe that a club will come in for him in January or and you know we'll allow him to go, and uh, he'll get a bit of the bit of the bit of the uh, the sell-on clause as well. I don't know. It's just one of those like I, I think he probably wouldn't have chosen if he was fit to come back to Brentford, but you know serendipity and all that that you know circumstances are that he needed us and we we given him another opportunity and maybe he can sort of use this as a springboard all over again. But I think he's a great great player to have in your squad. The Allard we're. Interesting, obviously, Moses is the right back, and we've got Dalsgaard, the World Cup almost quarter finalist, as uh, the Brentford right back as well. And you know, there's a few little options there as well. So, Moses has come in, he's sort of thrown a sort of kind of you know, bit of a wild card in there, but also we have a sort of a bit of a predicament at left back, as far as I'm concerned. I know we've got um, Barbe that plays at left back for us, and then we've got maybe Field, and you know, we used to have Bielen that used to slot in there, but you know. 
our main man is Rico Henry and he's not back till probably November maybe even December so we're always filling in at left back now do you think that this this um, this Odebarjo scenario is maybe seeing him because he is a natural fullback as possibly a slot in a, a left back position at some stage um, possibly yep um, we you know I, I don't remember how two foot he was um, but we haven't been afraid to play right footed players there before Josh Clark um, so yep it, 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 it's possible um, I, I see and I'm going to say what I said on the pre-season on my pre-season appearance um, he's, a, he's, like, he's very similar to the Josefsson, um signing he hasn't played much for two years if at all and um, is you know little risk apart from you know a, a, a few quid in rages. If he is fit at Christmas, we might look to extend it by a year, and then and then you know cashing in the summer. Who knows? We might we might actually make some money out of this if um, if he stays fit. I know the whole supporters. I've seen a few on Twitter are convinced that he'll break down and he won't he won't um, he won't get through the through even the, the, the first part of the season, but. You know, I, I guess we know him as a player. I don't think we need to rush him back in. I think we've got cover in those positions at the moment. So um, I don't. For, for me, it's um, you know, it's 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 minimal risk. It's just a few quid, isn't it? And um, I think it's a risk well worth taking. And, and it paid off with Yossin. Savvy. Um, there was always a big question about Moses coming back. When he finally signed, was it a bit of a yay, or was it a little bit like mm, that's interesting? It was a, that's interesting because he's he's out injured anyway. So. Uh, He's got about four weeks to come back, he said in his, uh, his, his interview on the official website. Uh, I, I think, I mean, I'm not sure, I mean, you just don't know. Unless, unless you try him out on the left, you don't know how good he'll be. Because I thought Maxime Collin uh, wasn't very good on the left. And I thought uh, um, Josh Clark was, was better. Um, so, it's, you know, both right footers, but you just don't know. So you could, you could try him out there, but, you know, I, I'm... I haven't got so much of a downer on Barbe as other people seem to have. I love Barbe and I'm not having to go. I'm just sort of saying it's interesting where you're, you're playing players who basically is a centre-back and he doesn't like playing at left-back, but he'd rather play at left-back than not play at all, you see. So I'm not having to go at him. I, I love him. I think he's a great, enthusiastic player. Yeah, no, I mean, but I, I think he, he works there. He's, he's, got, he's got height, which is useful. And, uh, you know, OK, you might not be storming up top of the pitch as quickly as others can, but, you know... I think I think he's a good player. So where does that leave Moses? Is he, um, you know, cover for Dalsgaard? Fair enough. But where does that leave Josh Clark? Is he cover for Barbe on the left? You know, Josh Clark is kind of. Well, he is a bit more of a utility player as well, though, Josh, isn't he? Jo- Josh is a utility player. I mean, I suppose in theory he can cover the um, the, the wing as well. But uh, you know, when you've got Ben Rama up there, you've got Canos. There's not really many openings for Clark now. So I'm a bit worried about where that leaves Clark. And also, uh, where does that leave Yanaris? If Yanaris isn't going to get a game in the middle. Oh, Yanaris. Oh, that, oh that, might, that, that might be a story we might come to a little bit later in the ins and outs. And if he does get a game in the middle, you know, he, he's traditionally covered for Dalsgaard. So uh, now we've got Moses, he's not even covered for that. So it kind of it makes our squad look a little bit big. We've got those few utility players that aren't getting in in the, in the 16th. 17 big squad bloated squad we had a big squad before and uh, interesting you were talking about a uh, a right back who didn't do too well at a left back which is Maxine Collin who actually now plays for Birmingham City and we're going to go over to Birmingham City to speak to our blogger there Bic Singh from Blues for All and Bic well he's not overly happy but he's probably a little bit happier than he should have been 
um, because there's been a bit of activity at Birmingham City. Let's just hear from Bick to see what he says about Birmingham City and their transfer activity. Hi, I'm Bick Singh from Blues for All. The transfer deadline day has been a very subdued affair for Birmingham City Football Club, given our recent embargo and transfer restrictions set by the league. I'm actually very surprised we managed to get a few bodies in. Um, at least gives our squad some depth. I'm actually pleased we've been able to bring in some players, so that's always a bonus. Um, we've brought in Christian Pettersson at the start of the season. Um, and over the last few days, we've been joined by Omar Bogle, Lee Camp, Connor Mahoney and Craig Gardner. Um, it is, however, a bit of a shame we couldn't get in a marquee signing. Uh, we were linked to the likes of Joe Hart and Lewis Graben at one stage. Um, so just shows um, we're shopping in a different store now. I guess the only consolation for Brentford fans is uh, they won't be losing any players to us uh, for this season at least. So Birmingham City, interesting, obviously 12 months since Carrie Redknapp turned up at Griffin Park with his dog and walked out with three players, uh, Hotter, Hardy Dean and Maxime Collin took back to Birmingham City and completely destroyed them so uh, you know it's 12 months later now and interestingly Birmingham City as you said from Bick they're on an embargo but they've managed to squeeze a little bit of activity to give them a bit of excitement the Allard well they're loans aren't they so I, I'm I, to be honest you you shouldn't have spoken to him for the, until the end of the month when, <laughs> when the loan window closes because nothing closed for them today <laughs> so, so, so Birmingham City will be interested to see whether or not um, they'll be able to do anything with the players which is going to add to their side as well we've got the Monkster Gary Monk as well who, who to be fair he, he did save them last season gave them a bit of an injection of life and uh, and, and they beat Fulham I think last game of the season or last game of the season for them so you know we'll see whether they'll pick them up this season or so but as I said to you it's looking a little bit dicky their finances have always been dicky if you look at Al Majid very, very, very good blogger and he knows exactly what's going on with Birmingham City. And he's been writing about them for ages and he said that the chickens will come to roost and there's been a bit of roosting going on there as well. But listen, they, listen. Um, is, it, is it Dicky or they're in a pickle? They're actually in a pickle. Oh, okay. Dicky pickle. Dicky pickle. That's right, yeah. So yeah, keeping it classy as we said from the Brentford FC. But listen, we're going to come back to Brentford and the players out for us. We've talked about this a fair little bit but let's just do the summarisation because no real players went out today because Ryan Woods is still a Brentford player, even though we've still got three weeks to go before the actual window shuts. We're not going to talk about that anymore. But the players that did go out, John Egan, um, he's gone to Sheffield United, as we said, for £4 million, a record signing for them. As well, we'll hear in a little bit about how that's gone down at Sheffield United. Also, Florian Joseph soon at Derby County for £3 million, which is a good price for us as well. He was on the bench for them a few weeks ago, and they believe that he's going to be uh, very much a bench player coming up there as an impact sub. A few other players that went out. Other than that, you know, we've had a couple of B-teamers. Oh, quite a few B-teamers. Oh, well, we'll talk about it before. Kirsten, uh, Kirst, uh, Konstantin Kirschbaumer, the KK, who is a player that people think never really got a chance at Brentford. As well, we went out to Germany on loan. Um, and then after we sold him for about a million pounds, and uh, considering that he never really played a major, major part of Brentford, and we bought him for about £300,000, the fact that we actually made a profit for him, again, is another amazing bit of business by, by the bees there. Yeah, um, amazing bit of business. And yeah, I, I think we've moved on from KK. I think there was a time where we felt he wasn't being given a chance, but we clearly got better players than, than him uh, at the club now. And they're, you know, the, the way that they're kind of looking, the, the, the benchmark of the player that we're, we're, we're bringing in now, we, we've, we've ramped it up since the Goggier and the Kirschbaumer 
close season, definitely. Which again, they were both a little bit of a punt. They fought for small money and relatively small wages. We'll have a go, and uh, you know they did what they could do for us. But then they went on, and we actually made some money from them. And it's not all about money, as we say about football. But if you can get rid of players and actually make a little bit and then buy other players then it actually just helps your bottom line also Zane Westbrook who was a Bees player through and through as well we really liked him friend of Besotted uh, we are friends of the B team as well really really nice guy went to Coventry didn't play for them on Saturday because apparently he's like an under 23 player so he's like a, a development player who they're looking to put into the first team so he's kind of moving up at some stage or whatever so he's at Coventry doing his thing uh, as they say other than that um, we've got three um, B-team players who have gone out on loan. We've got Reese Cole, another friend of Besotted as well. Everyone seems to be leaving us. He's out in the Oval. They lost on Saturday, um, first game of the season as well. Also, Ellery Balkham, goalkeeper, our England uh, under-18s, or under-19s goalkeeper as well. Very good goalkeeper. He's at Borenwood for the season. He kept a clean sheet in his first game down at um, on the south coast. Havington, Waterloo, that's it. Havington, Waterloo as well. Nil all. He was very happy and apparently pulled off three absolutely fantastic saves in the first half. So we had a very, very good game. The other player, Justin Scheibe, who's also with him at Boreham Wood, he played that first game. Not sure if he had much impact in that game and he got pulled off after about 70 minutes, but still early, early days for him. So that's basically the movement in and out for or out for Brentford, this window. Looking at that, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm quite happy with that, Lane. Delighted, really, really delighted. I, I, I go as far as to say I, I think this is probably the strongest squad we arguably we've ever had. Um, you know, yeah, there's obviously a slight question mark over the you know the open or closeness of said window, but um, we, only time will tell on that and how Brentford's um, reaction to Swansea, you know, not not stumping up to our 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 valuation. You know, we, there's, there's, there's still some sort of there's still that's going to play itself out. But in general. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a great squad. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it bloated. Um, I would just say it's like the most competitive and the most uh, keenly contested we're ever going to see. There's at least one player in every position, um, and there's there's play, you know Ellery Balkum should really be knocking on the door as you know the, the the goalie on the goalie on the subs bench for Brentford. You know, so we we have got proper strength in depth this year, and if we can avoid injuries and we can build on what was a brilliant start on Saturday you know anything's possible this year and I, I honestly believe that you know we, we aren't maybe under the radar anymore but you know we we are going to have a great season I'm sure and what I'll come back to as well just just finally just talk about this out section as we was we've got three weeks to go and the fact is that we keep talking about Ryan Woods, but let's forget about Ryan Woods for a little bit. Let's say, for example, and I'm just being facetious here, say, for example, Neil Malpe had a brilliant few weeks and he scored 12 goals for us in the next three weeks, right? He scores three goals in the next game and two, and he scored 12 goals, okay, next three weeks. Potentially, you can have a little bit of activity at the end of the month, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, I'm just saying, but people might come in and if somebody came in and offered to say, here you go, I'm going to give you £15 million for that player that's a situation where it may put us into a situation where all of a sudden is that what do we do you know agents knocking on the door the players knocking on the door so all I'm trying to say to you is that that should have been put to bed with this window closing on the 9th but it hasn't but anyway we're going to move on because we're going to talk to Ian Rands from Unitedite about his thoughts on Sheffield United's transfer window obviously they bought Egan from Brentford and other things as well and exactly where they're going to be going from here Hi, I'm Ian Rands from a unitedview.blogspot.com, uh, the Sheffield United website. Um, I think our transfer window 
uh, was looking very good, probably up until the last few days, really. Uh, I think we strengthened in most areas that we need to, uh, bringing in John Egan, obviously from Brentford, um, who, to be fair, has, has not yet settled into the uh, the back three, the three centre-backs uh, that we play in, in that structure. Um, but I think long-term will be a, a good signing for us. Um, we brought uh, Ben Woodburn in, promising Liverpool player, who's uh, had a bit of an impact off the bench in the two games he's played, and David McGoldrick, injury-prone probably in the past for Ipswich, but has had a, a, a good pre-season and, and has certainly been busy, but lacking real goal-scoring uh, opportunities in the two games so far. And we brought in youngster Kay Bryan uh, from Man City, uh, defender or left-back, can also play midfield, uh, quite highly thought of there, and uh, again, probably one that we'll see develop over the course of the season but really the the bit that's really uh, hurt hard at the moment is the lack of a striker we've gone after players uh, like Martin Waghorn but frankly we're not in a position uh, to compete on wages and our manager's focus Chris Wilder's focus on keeping the wage bill tight keeping that unity in the team means that and also obviously we can't compete with teams with parachute payments we are really struggling to get those players, those quality championship players over the line that we need. And striking position is one with Billy Sharp, um, another year older, Leon Clark, another year older, and McGoldrick. We are really lacking options at the moment and uh, really hoping that that loan window over the next few weeks will give us the opportunity to bring in on loan a player that might make the difference. And it's a bit alarming that, that Chris Wilder is saying that he doesn't feel there's players out there that we can fund and bring in that will make uh, an improvement to the squad. And really, I look at players like Bradshaw at Barnsley, um, Josh Windass at Rangers, um, Hugo going out on loan uh, from uh, West Ham. You know, it, it worries me that we can't do deals for that kind of player that actually would improve, certainly improve the squad up uh, in the striking positions compared to what we've got now. So let's see what the next couple of weeks brings, fingers crossed. Ian Rands from Unitedite, which is the Sheffield United blog. Let's come back to Brentford. I mean, he's talking about the older options at Sheffield United. We're talking about the younger options at Brentford with the B team. We talk a lot about the B team. A lot of people say, you know, that we have got you know, a good relationship with the B team, with Kev O'Connor, with Rob Rowan, who was the head of the B team beforehand, or he put the players into the B team. He's now the technical director and all people around that. And yeah, we do get a lot of info about them. We like them. We like the setup at Brentford. And we think that has really moved us on from the academy, which unfortunately, as much as we love the academy, wasn't doing Brentford any good. And it was absolutely hemorrhaging us money without necessarily having players, having a path through to the B team. We think we've got that there now. We've got Chris Meppham, who, like I said to you, he just turned down a £15 million bid, where a year ago he was actually playing B team action, and now he's very much a first team player. But who else is coming through the B team um, who might be a player that we, we, we might be getting excited about, like we were, were last season? Um, I'm just thinking... Nine, nine signings. We've got, we, we got, we got quite a few signings. They've gone absolutely mental, mad on the B team. They've gone, let's just sign them all up. And I think what's happened is the success of what we had with the B team last season, the fact that Mepham's come through and he's, like I said to you, he's got a first team place and people are bidding from him. They've shown them that we've got players coming through. They can actually use this as a CV to players who are at clubs abroad and in the UK and say, come to us. Because trust me, if you come to us, you'll definitely have a chance to get some A team action. So that's quite interesting. So, I mean, there's a, 
there's a few names flying around here, but I'm not necessarily Bill, saying. Why don't you just call the names out and we'll just tell you what we know about? Well, that's what I'm trying to say. I've just heard a few names coming about, and I, I don't know too much about them. I've heard about this um this guy called um is it Patrick Gunnarsson? Um, Laney, do you do you know anything about him? Yeah, a bit. He's a goalkeeper. But basically, with Patrick, it's, it's all about potential with him. I reckon. Um, if I. I think if with with some work with a goalkeeping coach, it could be probably a couple of years away from the first team. So, you know, it's yeah, Patrick. I think he needs to knuckle down, and um, he, he's got he's full of potential. That kid. Okay, I mean that's quite interesting. You think also, obviously, Ellery Balkan was the B team goalkeeper now. So, do you think this is a big opportunity for the Gunnarsson? Yeah, it is. I mean, Ellery, I, I, as I said a little while ago, I, I think he, he might be disappointed slightly that he, he's not part of the kind of like the periphery of the A team. Um, I think he, I think he will be next season. I, I think it's for him to, you know, take his opportunity at Boreham Wood, and then he can come back as being part of a regular first team. And I, and I, and I think Ellery Balkan probably going to be um, Dan Bentley's replacement. And, and I, I, you know, I hope that happens. Okay, fingers crossed as well. We're going to go through, and I'm going to apologise as well. And we didn't miss him out deliberately, but obviously our other potential World Cup defender, Andreas Bielen, we didn't talk about him on the outs. And apologies, he was a great player. I did some cooking with him, and uh, like I said, and, 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 and Vibe as well, which we did for on camera, and it went out there. And then he left a few weeks later, so you can blame me for, for Bielen leaving Bradford. But no, great player, and he's gone to um, Denmark now. He's playing for um, Copenhagen, and apparently he's the highest paid player in Denmark at the moment now. So good luck to him. He's got his little swan song and he's doing all good over there let's come back to the B team as well there's another player's name that I've heard banded around Luka Racic R-A-C-I-C Luka Racic and uh, I'm trying to find out things about him but I think the Allard actually has done his, his research he knows he knows a lot about him what's, what's the score we had a, he had a few pre-season cameos didn't he so um, so we saw we, we saw a bit of him um, so maybe he's not that far away from the first team. Just needs a bit more development, I think, to get him into the first team. Um, and he play, and he obviously plays with Mads in the Danish um, under-19 team. That's before. Mads Beck Sorensen. Yeah, not Mads from the ticket office. Yeah. <laughs> This is, maybe he does play with Mads from the ticket office as well. I mean, I've got no idea what's going on here, actually. The Allard comes inside. He's not been on the podcast for ages, and there's all sorts of suggestive activity taking place. But all I can say to you is that the lawyers are listening. Absolutely not. We're talking about Strictly on the pitch and uh, all the green grass at home and everything like that. So he plays with Mads, Beck Sorensen, apparently, and he's a very, very good and up-and-coming player. Luca Racic. Um, Savvy B. This one name that I've heard is uh, this player who is actually on loan from Michelin, which is uh, Nikolai Kirk. And uh, he's proper, proper... Apparently, I've got some Michelin sources, as you know. They actually came over to... Uh, they came to the QPR game, I think it was last season. And I also went to see Michelin play Brunby last season as well. So I've got a few characters out there in the Michelin. And they said to me, this Nikolai Kirk is a very, very good player. But what's your, what's your sources saying? Well, he's, uh, he's actually on loan from Michelin to us because he, he kind of lost his way a little bit. So, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't think that's in a, uh, a really bad sense. Like some of our players in the past have lost their way a little bit on mopeds. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and, and Ironically, the player who lost their way on a moped ended up finding himself at Michelin. So maybe going to Michelin is the way that you uh, actually find yourself again. So, you know, who was it? Was, who was his name again? It was, uh, I can't remember his name. Montel, Montel Moore. Montel Moore got on a moped and did all sorts of activity and ended up in Michelin and then he found himself. So apparently this is a finding self place, is it? Uh, I, I don't think it's like that. I think, I think he's literally... <laughs> 
just uh, just lost his way a little bit, but uh, just needed needed a bit of fresh air. Come come to, to come to the fresh UK. Air. Yeah, it's fresh. By the motor, by the motorway. Excuse me, Osterley Park is fresh air from where I live. Uh, so. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I mean, ba- basically, it's just a bit of, not fresh air. What's the words? <laughs> a new, new scenery, new yeah, scenery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, yeah. A, a new scene, or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, he's, he's finding his way, and I think the the, the club are actually really rated. I think he's he's a, he's, a, he's a good lad, and can you know he's got a lot a lot of potential. So whether he fulfills that potential at Brentford. Whether he goes back to Michelin, I don't know, but uh, apparently he's, he's, he's going to be a bit of class. Interesting, interesting. So, look, thoughts on the B team? Like I said, we sold a raft of B team players. A lot of people say, well, we signed B team players. We should be signing first team players. We didn't lose any first team players. We've got quite a big squad, and also we've got quite a good team out there. And some of these players, like the Mepham, might be going to the A team. So, I think it's very interesting to know who are the potential new stars out there. But listen, Let's forget talking about our B team for a little bit and let's go over to another um, championship blogger. We're going to talk about James Marriott, who's going to tell us everything, because apparently there's been a wealth of transfer activity at Sheffield Wednesday. He's going to tell us about everything that's happened at Sheffield Wednesday, all the ins and outs, particularly the ins and everything else. Hey, it's James Marriott here from the Wednesday week. Transfer deadline day, well, better described as just Thursday for Wednesday fans. Nothing really happening. No incomings, no outgoings. Um, The transfer window as a whole, in terms of incomings, well, we'll chat about that now. Okay, that's that done. There were no incomings at all. No surprise, we are under a transfer embargo and um, we, we really need to get our kind of accounts in order, satisfy the EFL before we can bring any players in. So it's really been about outgoings. There's been a couple. Jack Hunt, our uh, right back, he's gone to Bristol City on a permanent deal. About £1.5 million. Good business, really. Got a year left on his contract. We have got some cover in that position, although some Wednesday fans would tell you it's probably not the best cover. Uh, also, Jordan Rhodes going out on loan to Norwich. He, of course, came in on deadline day a couple of years back as the player that was going to get us over the edge, get us into the uh, Premier League. And it really hasn't worked out like that. Far from it, to be honest. So him going to Norwich makes a lot of sense. Anyone that understands FFP, profit and sustainability, will know that uh, when you sign a player over a number of years of their contract, uh, their fee is kind of immortalised so selling John Rhodes on a permanent would probably actually have cost us more than we bring in in terms of FFP so sending him out on loan for a season covering his wages probably makes a lot of sense the transfer window as a whole I mean some Wednesday fans will tell you that it's been a success because we've not lost any of our key players really, which was really the fear going into it. Um, you've got to also kind of marry that against the fact that only seeing a couple of players going out has meant that it looks like we haven't satisfied the EFL in order to lift our transfer embargo. Really, we do need some players going out, as difficult as it will be to see those players go out. Uh, and even now, as we know, the transfer window is not really the uh, the deadline as such, because we'll probably, we're kind of braced to still see maybe one, maybe even two players go out on loan with a view to it being a, um, a permanent deal. 
but that might mean that we satisfy the EFL to allow us to bring maybe one or two players in and just help us balance that squad um, a little more. So um, a really mixed transfer window for Sheffield Wednesday as a whole. It's really about what happens by uh, the end of August now where we'll get an idea as to where we're heading. So interesting words there from James Marriott from the Wednesday Week podcast, who's going to be down at Griffin Park next Sunday, sitting in the, the Globe, no doubt, having a few beers with Tango and the rest of the characters on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, possibly draining their sorrows because Wednesday have not been able to sign any players, really, because they're under embargo. Because basically, I, I mean, we went up there a few years ago, remember we did that documentary with them, and we were confused. We're thinking, I mean, you've got players on 45, you know, Forest Year at that time was about 45 grand a week, and, you know, they were charging their fans £1,500 for season tickets for three years they had to buy out for three years for a three year season ticket we just thought this is absolutely ridiculous you know they seem to be just kind of like money mad and you know they were spending lots of money and then expecting fans to spend lots of money and it just seemed a little bit mental but it was obviously uh, come to a fall now and they've just said to them sorry this has not worked this little trick of yours of getting in players like Jordan Rhodes with lots and lots of money and uh, they're in a bit of a pickle Sheffield Wednesday and um, like I said to you, he's coming, they're coming down in a few weeks' time, which will be interesting. But, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, I don't know, where does it go from here? Wheels have really come off there, haven't they? You know, when they had Carvajal and Chancery was, the, you know, he could do no wrong. And, you know, they, it seemed like promotion to the Prem was inevitable for them. They, they ballsed it up in the playoffs twice, didn't they? And it, it, it's, it's gone worse and worse for them. Uh, and now, transfer embargoes, they're paying, they're paying the price for over, 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 overspending. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a lesson for us all. And, you know, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, obviously a, a huge, huge club. The, the ground's stunning, you know. Um, the, fan, the fans are decent. But there's no divine right, and uh, you need to run your club well, and you need to get things. You, you can't just when it's going well, you can't assume it's just gonna. This crest of a wave is gonna continue forever. You need to close the deal, and they never did that to get to the prem. So, you know, it's it's really concerning for them. It, it could go one of two ways. You know, it, they they could actually implode. It could be some sort of H bomb thing that goes off uh, Hillsborough where. They just they could they could go down, you know. It, it, that's that's a that's a reality now for them, and where they were, where where it was, they were nailed on to go back to the prem, and everything was going their way. Now it's like oh my god, they can't even sign anyone. So it's that's, that's dark clouds, mate. But also this I mean, this is this whole thing. And this is I mean, it's just me. You know, if you run your own company, you sort of try to keep things relatively tight. And this is where the confusion in football comes in, where you see these people who just seem to be able to spend and spend and spend and spend. And you sort of think, how can they just carry on spending? Because surely it's got to go wrong at some stage, because you've got to try and balance things up at some stage. And it, it, and obviously, if everyone tries to gamble, it's by spending loads of money, so they're going to go up. If they go up, it's fine. But if you don't, you're all, it's going to, you know, it's going to just go horribly wrong. And we're not keep sort of banging on about Brentford now, brilliant we are and everything like that. But it becomes quite difficult where fans get really really um, confused as to sometimes where we have to end up spending selling somebody because the fact is that we haven't even got crowds or money anywhere near as big as these teams but we still keeping our head above the water but listen do you remember, I mean it was only two deadlines ago that I mean Sheffield Wednesday were in for Alan Judge and that was like a done, it was almost like it it was a done deal there was nothing that we could do about him going you know 
and Sheffield Wednesday were in such a strong position where they could they were the magnet for the the talent that was like the the best talent in the division and now you know just you wouldn't really I'm not sure you well they can't sign anyone you know it's it's really it's really flipped yeah it's quite strange but listen let's come back to I mean obviously we're talking about players on 45 and 50 grand a week we're just coming back to the B team now and uh, interesting like we said to you Brentford are signing players now they've used the B team as uh, last year you know the fact we beat Man United and your Man Cities and you know your Chelseas and your um, AC Milan's and your and your Inter Milan's. We beat all these teams with our B team. You know proper strong teams and stuff like that. Use that as a calling card. And also we seem to be getting stronger players in our B team. I think interestingly some of these players that we're getting in our B team are players that maybe two or three or four years ago we'd buy the same players, but then we put them on the bench on the first team but now we're buying these players and then putting them into our B team which is quite interesting so there's a couple of names in there there's one that I do remember from a bit of a story a few years ago Cole De Silva as well he was part of a, a three brother, brothers who got signed to, to Chelsea um, the Allard De Silva yeah there were there were three brothers weren't there you always sort of got the impression that it, it wasn't really possible that all three of them were brilliant but they probably came as a package from their um, you know their parents put them together as a package and um, they had to sign all of them I think only two of them are going now obviously Cole and the other brother who Jay. is it yeah, the, Jay. Who, who he's the one that's really rated isn't he if we're, if we're honest but you know he's got a good reputation this guy um, you know he's, position? he's a powerful fullback um, he's very very good on the ball and and a bit like Josh Clark, he can play both sides, both sides of the pitch, which you know is is something that that could come in handy. I must admit, I was quite excited when we, oh, I was very excited actually when I saw this signing because uh, I said to Jay Silver, I've been sort of kind of following him, and he's the kind of player that he's always been mentioning in loans, and people sort of kind of sort of kind of link him in. I think he was part of the Chelsea side that won the Youth Cup as well a few years ago, if I kind of remember rightly. So he's he's highly rated. I mean, not saying that players win a Youth Cup they're going to be the business, but the fact that it's interesting that you know he's at Chelsea and all of a sudden he's come into Brentford. We wouldn't have signed a player like that two years ago, you know, and maybe it's the fact that Meppen was coming from QPR, from Chelsea to QPR, then to us, then he's now gone to what he's going to do. We're able to do him. And the feeling is that if he does and rises like he's going to be, he could be a first-team player within 12 months, Laney. And the, the, the third brother is um, Long John De Silva. Yeah, well, apparently uh, that's not actually quite true. Um, but... Um, you know, we'll give that we'll give that one to Lady because um, Long John is not even silver at all. Um, there's another player, like I said to you, is um, um, a player who's out there, which is Johnny Mitchell as well, who has been um, well, recommended to us by our friends up north. As you know, we've been to Falkirk many times, and our Falkirk friends come down at least four or five times a season, at least, to come and see Brentford playing. And Johnny Mitchell is a Falkirk boy. Laney. Yeah, like like him. He's come from the Bairns up at um, up at Falkirk. Young lad from Falkirk. Um, he's raw. He's got some raw qualities. I, rec- I reckon. I reckon Brentford would certainly improve him. Holding midfield play, he likes he likes to sit in. He likes to protect the defence. He's, he's, he's a lot about him. He's a lot about him. I, I, I think he'd get another one. I reckon we could really, really polish this one. Okay, it's cool. I mean, it's interesting. We brought in a, um, you know, we brought a few, a few, a few people from Scotland recently as well. So uh, let's just see whether or not he sits with there. There's another player as well, which is very interesting because we signed him today. We signed a few players today as well, but we signed this player today, and uh, I thought to myself, hold on a second here. I'm sure this player, I've seen him a few times on the on the EFL show and the Channel 5 show um, last season. Um, can, was it Canis Carroll as well? Canis Carroll from Oxford. 
and we've signed him up to the B team. And this is interesting because I know, Sav, you've done quite a bit of research, haven't you? Yeah, one of, the, one of the things I found out was that his first name is actually Kaniche. Oh, okay. Kaniche yeah. <laughs> 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 Carroll, yeah. Uh, he's actually got a big reputation in Oxford. I am, I am really stunned that we've got him for the B team because I thought he was actually potentially an A team. 18 by because he's played like 20, 20 games for Oxford already. Really young. Well, the first team or the B team? First team. First oh, team. Okay. No, no, he's, he's, he's got some League One experience. Where does he play? He plays, uh, he's, he's sort of centre back, right back, and def- <laughs> sorry, defensive midfielder. So, so he's, 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 you know, but he's a very aggressive player. So, you know, he's. How many games did he play for Oxford though? He played about, uh, I think, 17 last year and, and two or three the year before. So even from like sort of 17 years old, he's been playing in League One. Uh, but he's also a um, a captain of uh, the Irish under-19s. So he's got uh, he's got some. I think he's played in a couple of uh, uh, underage teams for Ireland as well. So he's potentially a really, really quality player. So, so again, it's another player that again potentially you're looking at possibly 12 to 18 months time actually kind of sniffing around the first team. Yeah, exactly that. I I, th- I think he's one that uh, he's going to get into the first team squad by, by next season. It's yeah. interesting as well because I think I saw a little like, an interview with him and he said something like you know I've signed for Brentford and blah blah blah. I'm in the Championship now and it's kind of for him. It's kind of like I'm not Brentford B team. I've signed for Brentford and that's that's it. I'm going to be in the first team. So he spoke, he spoke really well in that interview. I, I, was, I was really impressed by by what he said to be honest with you. Um, you know, he, he chewed gum quite quite a lot during it, but he, he was um, he, he, chewed by gum, chewed by he by, he by gum. But you know, I, he, he seemed to be an intelligent kid. So um, I, I, you know, I hope he can uh, live up to his potential. Definitely, fingers crossed. So listen, that's it with the Kenny's Ganiche oh, Carol as uh, as Sav has done the research anyway. But look. We're going to go back and we're going to talk to our bloggers up and down the country. We've been speaking deadline day and we've been asking how the other teams have been faring. And now we're going to go up to the big money lads and lasses up there. Nottingham Forest, they have got a, a Greek owner. A Greek owner who's actually bought one of our players, in effect. He bought um, Ilias to Olympiakos. Yeah, that's Oh, Panathinaikos, okay, Olympiakos, you know, all sound the same to me. Nah, okay, it was only a joke. <laughs> all right, before I start getting the, the, the emails coming in. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, it's different team, same island. It's <laughs> not even an island, okay. I'm thinking of myself being really deep here, aren't I? But anyway, um, the owner of um, um, Nottingham Forest, Olympiakos, lots of money. Um, which has come from, we're not even going to talk about where it's come from actually because the lawyers are listening and he has spent a load of money and we're going to get Adam from Forever Forest TV, the video bloggers from Forest, Welco and Wetton as we know them. We went out there and saw them a few years ago and we've kept in touch since good set of lads and they're coming down on the 1st of September, look forward to seeing them. And they're going to give us their thoughts, or Adam's going to give us his thoughts on Nottingham Forest, their transfer window and where they're going to go from there. Hi. My name is Adam Wicklow and I'm from Forever Forest TV. Transfer deadline has been good for Nottingham Forest this season. Um, the last few days we haven't really made that many moves, though on deadline day we've signed Michael Heffler for a reported £300,000 from Huddersfield Town. Uh, centre off who got promoted with them a couple of seasons ago, a character German uh, and a guy who's who's not afraid afraid to get stuck in, and it was a signing that I wasn't sure about. But then the more I think about it, I think Karanka has seen enough in the first two games of the season that we're not quite 
equipped to deal with aerial threats and Heffler is a quite a big unit and is is someone that's not afraid of a tackle and, and a character around the dressing room has obviously got good experience having been promoted with Huddersfield. Uh, so so I think that's quite good. Uh, overall, very, very happy as a Forest fan and obviously we've still got the loan window till the end of the month to go if we want to bring in a right back and I think that's the only place where we've struggled to, to strengthen. Uh, we wanted Sam Byron from West Ham, it just didn't go through. I think West Ham wanted money whereas we wanted to loan with a view to permanent and it and that didn't really suit West Ham apparently so it's it'll be interesting to see what what we can do with that um but other than that brilliant we've signed talent uh up front Lewis Graben who is a proven goal scorer in this league along with Jao Cavallio, Gil Diaz and uh, Diego Gonzalez and in the first two games I think you can definitely see that Gil Diaz and Jao Cavallio are extremely good players. Uh, Gonzalez is yet to be seen, but from what I've seen of him, he, he, he definitely has potential. I think it just might take a, a, a while for them to get used to it again. Um, but yeah, um, extremely happy. I think there's it can only only get better with with the team gelling now, and we'll see what happens towards the end of the month. Uh, whether we acquire a another right back uh, to help with competition with Tendai Dariqua I think if I was going to say what I really wanted other than maybe another right back to compete I would probably say maybe another striker I think other than grabbing I'm not sure if we've got someone that can score a lot of goals yes Daryl Murphy did score on the opening day of the season but he's he's getting on a bit maybe he's got something to prove um, time will tell Obviously, we've still got Ben Brereton as well and, and Hilal Sadani can play there, but I think a striker was probably something that I may would have wanted in a pipeline dream, but it wasn't to be. But other, other than that, I can't complain. We've we've spent the money. It's just now to put our money where our mouth is and hope we do it on the pitch. So, Adam from Forever Forest TV. Talk about the big money boys. The boys that were spending some big money out there. Some big Greek money. And uh, he talked on our pre-season bloggers article. Number two, he said straight up for the Forest and he's very happy with the activity. So we'll see. 1st of September, Brentford are playing Forest. They're coming down here. They'll sell out the relocation. It's going to be very exciting, very lively. And uh, let's see how that one goes. But look, coming back to our B team. Because we signed a load of players from that B team, like we said to you. The last three players we're going to talk about. The first one, Colbyn Finison. Corbyn Finson, actually, his name is the Allard. I mean, you corrected me on that one, but you know everything about the Finson, don't you? The Allard. Well, the Icelandic, our new Icelandic attacking talent. Um, yeah, he's um, he, nice head, nice hairband. He, he, he wears to start. Um, I think Terry Butcher style. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. An attacking Terry Butcher. An attacking Terry Butcher without yeah. the blood. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, he, he, he can play as a central midfielder. He can play wider if he needs to, attacking. Um, he's good on the ball, lots of athleticism, full of energy. Um, and um, in Iceland, you know, I, I understand that, that 
that the league level is is a bit lower. But he he made his um, first team debut when he was only 15 years old, um, and has played for their under 21s um, when he was 18. So lots of potential, a lot of potential there. It's interesting, similar to like we seem to have a bit of that going on. Because the same thing happened to Mads Beck Sorensen, which I think he I think he made his debut for uh, in, in Denmark when he was either 15 or at the very latest 16 as well. So when, we, did, um, when did Mads in the ticket office make her debut? I don't, no idea actually. I think she probably made a, a, a debut. Her first ever Brentford match was probably about maybe 25, 30 years ago, maybe. I've, I've no idea, but maybe you can ask her when you see her on Saturday, lady. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so anyway, but later, um, just coming back to um, Fiddison, um, the Allard. Yeah, um, so, so you know, he's, he's, he's young and he's, um, he's got lots of potential, and I think it's what we see with the B team, isn't it? Is that I think we're seeing this thing now where they kind of refresh. They probably give the players a year or two, and then, and then basically they they start looking. Change. At it's a, yeah, they they keep they keep changing. So yeah. Like I said, to the upgrades, you know, we use the players and the team and what they did last season to try and upgrade and bringing these players from uh, from all these places. Um, interesting. Um, the Sev. You, you you seem to go for the uh, you know these characters I've never heard of, but you seem to have a lot of knowledge of them. Zian Zambrek. And uh, you've been getting your research head on as well. Um, and probably because we did a little bit of research into the Czech Republic on the, the Nico Yanaris story, which still hasn't come to fruition, but you seem to have used that research to good effect. What's going on with the Zamborek? Yeah, uh, Jan the man, Zamborek. Uh, he's, he's one of these uh, young Czechs. And we know like national football can be quite cyclical. And now is the time for the young Czechs. Uh, I think in about four or five years' time, you're going to see their national team really come back. And uh, but at the moment, we we seem to be picking up some of their their youngsters. And uh, he's he's one of their better players. I mean, he's really highly thought of, and uh, he can play sort of number eight in the middle of the park or number ten just behind the strikers. Uh, he's he's already turned down uh, sniffs from the Premier League, uh, the Dutch First League, uh, the Italian First Division. And uh, to come to Brentford, so it's it's a bit like um, you know some of the other ones we talked about. Where we're actually really surprised that we've got him in our B team, that he potentially in a very short time could be in our A team, and uh, it's very exciting times at Brentford. Some of these players we've been picking up. Uh, are potentially really, really fantastic, and he's one of them. I mean, we talk, like I said, we talked about this before. It's a, bit, it's a bit, a bit of a strange one actually, because like I said, a lot of these players seem to be kind of first-team players elsewhere, probably in a slightly lower league. And like I said, yeah, they seem to be coming to our team, but they're going to the B team. So the B team is probably not. It's still a B team, but it's a different type of B team than it, than it was a few seasons ago. Like you know, we bought Harley Dean. And Ali Dean went straight into our team, remember? And then Mott Warburton era, and so did um, Bidwell and them lot. But nowadays, they would have gone straight into our B team and probably had to stay there for a couple of years before they uh, graduated through. Interesting to see how this like this intake would compare to like Niall McGinn, to you know like whether the this lot are technically better than he was because he we we felt like we were like honoured to have a Celtic player at the time. You know, loans to us, but have we? You know, it'd be nice to see how they compare to to him at that time. I, I actually thought he'd signed for Villa today, but it turned out it was John McGinn from. Uh, from <laughs> okay, and only, and we've got the last player as well to come through, which is Matej Matchka. 
So Matej Machka as well is, uh, you know, again, you know, we, we talked about the um, we talked about the story the other day about um, uh, Nico Yanaris, and he seems to have sort of kind of unearthed all sorts of characters coming the other way, isn't it? Yeah, potentially, if he goes that way, we're not saying he is going to. Matek Medja, yeah, it's um, it's, it's a Czech Czech player. Yeah, it's Czech, but if you, it's, it it means magic friend, oh. his name, okay. which is well, you're my magic friend. Oh, yeah, I am. I tell you something, I'm very magical and, and I'm a very friendly person. Yeah, but he's um he's a small wide player. Re- he seems really quick, very direct. Um, plays for the under 18s in the National Czech Republic. Um, he probably, I mean, in my opinion. He's probably one of the best players to to to, be, to emerge out of Czech youth football in the last two years. So, I, I, you know, again, so how we're getting hold of these players, you know, it's, it's it's really testament to the way we recruit, the way we um, the way we evaluate, the way we kind of crunch the data. It, honestly, it's almost like we're we're finding so many players that we just have to do something with them. And sooner or later, we need to make some proper decisions about what we do with players that are here. But unfortunately, you know, if you're if you're looking for new players, we're obviously finding stuff that really excites us, and we wanna we wanna bring them in. So long may that continue. I'm just gonna make a quick point here as well, and I'll just point it out to you because we're gonna move on to our, our final blogger, which is Andrew from uh, from Leeds United as well. But we've got this B team, and what a lot of teams do is that they talk about we get these players and we nurture them, and then we put them out on loan if we don't want them, and they put loads of players out on loan. But what I notice about us, we actually don't seem to put that many players out on loan. We kind of sort of pick and choose, and then we put a player out or there, and we put them out when we kind of seem to sort of kind of want them to stay up. But it's almost like we want our players to go from the B team into the A team rather than do a loan thing. Have you noticed that, the Allard? I think that's the plan. Um, I think there's probably still, um, it's still maybe a bit of a, a bit of an ask, and um, and therefore we are we, we are sending a few out on loan just to sort of maybe, you know, to get a bit more strength and and, and, and stuff so that they can um, come into the come into the A team. It's what it's what I've always bit worried about, um, and it's not a Brentford thing. It's an English football thing. Is the progression from youth team or or B teams or under 23s or whatever you call it into the first team? Um, it 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 remains too easy for or too easy or it remains that clubs are more intent on buying players in than than finding a natural progression and 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 it, it would suggest that we've not quite nailed it yet because we have sent a few out on loan. But the real key is is that Brentford produce players from the B team to play for Brentford, not to play for Wickham. And if once we get that right, then um, then we add that to all of the stuff we do with transfers, and there will be no stopping us. I think there's more and more clubs that will follow what we've done, and, and there's no there's no reason to suggest that it's an A, a team, B team, and it could it could could evaluate it could it could evolve into a C team. It's, it's just like it's depending on how many games you can you can set up and how how competitive those games are, but. I think the better our A-team squad gets, the harder it is to just take players straight from the B-team into the A-team. I mean, it looks like we're trying to get Mads there, Mads Beck Sorensen, not Mads from the ticket office. (laughs) Uh, But also, there's you know, uh, Mepham is one of the few that's moved straight in. But don't forget, people like Josh Clark uh, had to go out on loan as well to to then get into our A-squad. So there, there still is that route to go out and come back in again. But uh, I think that the bigger and better our A-team squad gets, 
the harder that's going to be. But uh, as we proved, there's, there's still room to get there. The better players can still make it. Okay, so talking about bigger and better squads, we got Andrew from LUFC Stats. He's on Twitter. You can get hold of him. You'll see him. Big tweeter, uh, tweeter from Leeds United as well. Does stuff for uh, their commentary. Does stuff on the TV. He's all over the place. Andrew Dalton, and he's going to tell us about Leeds' window, the Champions of Europe, how much money they've spent. You know, Belisa, the new manager, and how he's actually got them motivated and got some great players he feels, and he's very excited about the next season. It's LFC Stats here from uh, from social media, from Twitterland, reviewing Leeds United's business in the transfer window as it has just closed permanently up until the start of January. Of course, the loan window is very much open to the end of August. As for Leeds United, it's three loans and two permanent signings. And I have to say, I'm, I'm very happy with the business that Leeds United have done uh, over the summer. We'll start off with uh, the loan signings. Lewis Baker came in from Chelsea, sort of defensive midfielder. Very, very pleased with that signing. Uh, very athletic in that midfield area. I thought he played really well in pre-season so against Oxford United and I think he can bring something a little bit different in the centre of midfield uh, as for Jamal Blackman he's sort of the next one in again online from Chelsea goalkeeper 6 foot 7 it will uh, give Bailey Peacock for a lot of competition between himself and, and Blackman and looking forward to the battle between those two I thought Peacock Farrell played really well against Stoke City last time out on Sunday uh, and Blackman will, will, will cause Peacock Farrell a lot of competition and it's, he's a giant of a man as well and uh, it's one I'm looking forward to seeing that competition sort of develop between now and the end of the season uh, next one in through the door something on loan was Jack Harrison from Manchester City comes highly recommended with uh, sort of good wishes from Patrick Vieira and David Villa and I don't think you get any bigger than that Patrick Vieira being there done that one the t-shirt uh, yeah, won the t-shirt and, and done everything in football uh, so really really pleased with Jack Harrison and I think he will do well at uh, Leeds United this season and the two big ones Barry Douglas from Wolverhampton Wanderers £3 million pounds. what a snip that is I have to say wizard of a left foot uh, from Leeds, uh, from Wolverhampton Wanderers to Barry Douglas brilliant free kick taker as well Sutton Liam Cooper's goal to get him for £3 million pounds. what a signing that is for, for Leeds United hopefully he can replicate the form that saw Wolverhampton Wanderers win promotion last season uh, for Leeds United to touch wood hopefully win promotion back to the Premier League and then the big money signing was Patrick Bamford done a couple of weeks ago £7 million pounds, the saying undisclosed as well for Middlesbrough I think he comes with a very very good reputation he's been one of those players that Leeds United have always been linked with uh, over the uh, sort of past few seasons uh, and now I've got him as a permanent striker our new number nine I'm very much seeing, looking forward to seeing him in action didn't get on on, on Sunday because Kim Roof was magnificent but yeah really really pleasing with the deals that we've done at Allen Road uh, I think we'll probably get back into the loan window maybe for another central defender although saying that Calvin Phillips can drop in there you've also got Liam Cooper Gatano Berardi and Pontus Janssen uh, as well if needs be and possibly another midfield defence midfielder to replace the part Ronaldo Vieira but yeah very pleasing very happy with uh, the dealings for Leeds United uh, and it's onwards and upwards to Pride Park on uh, on Saturday afternoon again of course you can see live on Sky Sports so interesting there from Andrew Dalton LUFC stats and Bamford it's interesting we were talking about Jordan Rose earlier he's one of those players who's been on the treadmill and he's gone off to Norwich um, Wednesday decided to send him off there because they needed to get him there to get you know get some money in but Bamford, he's been around a bit. He gave us a little bit of misery when he was at Middlesbrough a few years ago, the playoff year. But he's been there, thereabouts. In fact, we almost signed him that year, if I remember rightly. We really tried hard to sign him, but it didn't quite happen. Maybe it's the finances, maybe we weren't quite established in people's eyes. But Bamford, 
at Leeds United, the Allard? Um, it's in. Do you know what? Uh, Leeds signing Bamford doesn't tell you too much about Leeds because they're splashing the money out and stuff like that. What Bamford leaving Middlesbrough tells you everything you need to know about Tony Pulis is that he is gradually moving out the players that have got a bit of flair and the players he doesn't trust. And, um, and, what, and what you'll see now is that Pulis will turn or has already... And, and, I, and, I, and I really mean this, that's why he's moved Bamford on, is he'll turn them into an absolute bore fest, but they'll unfortunately be quite effective. And, um, and that's what the Bamford move to Leeds is about. It was interesting. So listen, that was uh, Andrew Dalton. And look, I said to you, you could check them all out, besotted.com. All the bloggers gave their thoughts on how they're going to do this season. It's only, it's only one game in, and uh, but it doesn't really matter, because at the end of the day, these feelings or these thoughts are going to be there for the whole season. So check it out, besotted.com. But look, We've got a game on Saturday. We're going up to Stoke City. First time since 2001. We're leaving quite early. We're on the trains. We're on the planes. We're down the canal, down in Hanley. We're all over the place in Stoke because we're going to have a right laugh up there. Win or lose, we're on the booze, as they say. But listen, what we're going to do before we chat about that Stoke game, we're going to go over to the Wizards of Drivel because they're going to give us their thoughts on Stoke City. Five from the Hive. Stoke City. Hi Bees, my name's David Cowlishaw and I'm founder of the Wizards of Drivel Stoke City podcast. Originally from Blackpool, the fact I'm a Stoke fan is entirely my dad's fault. Now based in Lancaster, I've been a Stoke season ticket holder for about 17 or 18 years. So, not that many highs, but definitely a lot of lows in that time. Started the Wizards of Drivel podcast a couple of years ago. And it's grown steadily in listeners. We've had a lot of great responses to it. And we've had some great guests on from Danny Higginbottom right up to the great Gordon Banks. Whilst it has been a lot of fun, there hasn't been a lot of fun on the pitch to talk about. So I'm hoping this year, finally, we're not a curse on the team. You took our place in the championship, whooping us 3-0 at Cardiff, when we really should have got up automatically in 2002 with Stevie Cobble's team. You went on to bigger and better things after that, spending a number of years in the Premier League. But the question is, is the Premier League actually all that cop? Is the Premier League all that? Well, yes and no. Yes, you do get to see some amazing football and some fantastic players. Just thinking of some of my favourites from down the years at Stoke, seeing the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Didier Drogba, Luka Modric, Gareth Bale... Steven Gerrard, the great Man City team of last season and countless great uh, Manchester United and Chelsea sides. They've been fantastic to watch and beating those level of teams is amazing. I count a 2-0 victory over Man City as among my best memories as a Stoke fan. The 6-1 win over Liverpool in Gerrard's last game. They are priceless they may not have been trophy wins or you know hugely important matches but when you do a number on the big sides especially if it's Arsenal then it's just a fantastic experience but to be honest there is a lot of dross in the Premier League I mean looking at this season I think possibly from 7th or 8th downwards you've got a lot a lot of ordinary sides of which Stoke City were obviously won for quite a while and Usually, in any given Premier League season, you can look at seven or eight teams who could easily go down to the Championship and 
may even struggle to do anything in the championship as well. So it's massively unbalanced, and that is the kind of thing, more than anything, that people get bored with with the Premier League. I mean, obviously, you've got high ticket prices, games being moved for TV, crap refereeing, players diving, all, all the usual complaints about the Premier League. But ultimately, for me, I think the problem the Premier League has is if you support Stoke, if you support Brentford, if you guys go up, if you support Huddersfield or Newcastle or even a you know big club like Everton, you can't actually win anything. And you're always butting your head against a glass ceiling and plenty of managers have come a cropper trying to take crap or ordinary teams that little step further just to try and break that top six monopoly and it doesn't work apart from kind of the Leicester City miracle if you like so yeah that's the um, that's the frustration with the Premier League don't get me wrong I really want Stoke to get back there at the first time of asking because I care about the financial and the, the financial future of the club and its status and all the rest of it but to be honest I'm looking forward to having a year off last season wasn't the best for Stoke City do you think you deserve to go down in retrospect? Where did it go so horribly wrong? Yeah, last season. Oh, where to begin? I think possibly the main culprit will be Mark Hughes in many people's eyes. His signings were really poor. The likes of Darren Fletcher, Saido Berahino, Hesse, Eric Chupomoting. Players who weren't good enough to step up in the absence of us losing Marko Natovic, who obviously went and had a good season at West Ham. Only Jordan Shakiri was of sufficient quality to start in a, in a Premier League team, I think. And Hughes lost his way tactically. He, at one point, on, under Hughes's best spell, we had Bojan, Shakiri, on and Natovic playing as like a front three. And some of the football they produced was magnificent stuff you I'd never seen before in my life but when results started to turn against him a bit I think he panicked went too defensive too quickly lost faith in his flair players Bojan being one of them and tried to avert to a kind of traditional stoke if you like but he didn't have the players to do that and he didn't seem to know how to do that in terms of tactics and that just left us scrambling around trying to find a system that worked for month after month after month until eventually in January 2018 the board said enough's enough you have to go. Paul Lambert did his best but ultimately he wasn't the man to inspire the squad. He made us tougher to beat but he didn't have a clue how to build a team to attack and the fact we only won uh, two games under him in a 15 game spell tells its own story but it's not just limited to the managers the squad kind of lost faith in each other and there were a lot of bad eggs in that squad as well the likes of Hesse, the likes of Chupo Moting Charlie Adam who seem to undermine the managers as well so in that sense I do have some sympathy for Hughes and Lambert Saido Berahino not turning up for training on time Eric Peters breaking curfew Charlie Adam making comments to the media. All these, all these things told you that the squad wasn't happy. And to be honest, some of those individuals were disgusting. So, bad managers, 
bad squad. Usually in the Premier League, you can get away with one or the other. Newcastle, not a very good squad, but a very good manager. They survived. Huddersfield, again, not a great squad on paper, but a good manager. They survived. But with Stoke having neither of those things, the writing was on the wall from a long way away. This season in the Championship, you started your campaign with a tricky trip to Leeds where you lost 3-1. Many teams take a while to adjust to Championship football. Do you think Stoke have what it takes? Tough opening day for us at Elland Road. 3-1 defeat. It was a real rude awakening for Gary Rower and some of his Stoke players. I think Leeds massively deserved the win. We were second best from start to finish and barely had a shot all game. Leeds passed through us. And there were so many individual mistakes in there. Jack Butland made an error for the second Leeds goal. And I think kind of the core of our problems was the midfield three, which on paper is a very good midfield three. Joe Allen, Ndai and Atebo, who had a great World Cup for Nigeria. They are all good individual players, but they're three basically box-to-box midfielders trying to play in a in a system but they just seemed to be running around aimlessly and there was no real cohesion between them and that allowed Leeds's forward players to find those gaps between the midfield and the defence and take us apart at will. I think this game showed us that you can't underestimate the championship but we are hoping that Leeds are the exception and not the rule. Leeds do look like they will be a real proposition this season with Marcelo Bielsa as manager and some of those forward players they've got. Home game against Brentford next gives us a chance to put things right in front of our crowd and show this league that we mean business. Stoke have a wealth of talent from the Premier League days. Butland, Ince, Afobi, Berahino. With the window this week, you may or may not keep all your players. Who do you think are the key players this season to lead you to success? And what or who do you think you need to ensure that you compete. Yeah, so at time of recording, the window has just shut and our only deadline day acquisition was Sam Klukas, formerly of Swansea and Hull. I think that's possibly a decent addition. It's got to be interesting to see whether his introduction will impact the midfield and give us that little bit of cohesion that we were sorely lacking in the Leeds game. But I think the biggest boon in terms of our transfer window wasn't the signing of Afobe or Ince, even though they're both good players. I think it's keeping Jack Butland and Joe Allen, who not only are real fans' favourites, but are really good players as well. I mean, Chelsea were linked with Jack Butland for quite a long time in the transfer window, and we were were worried that if Butland went, we wouldn't have anyone good enough in goal. But Jack Butland staying is a massive, massive bonus for us, despite his mistake against Leeds he's still a real quality goalkeeper the only major departure of course was Jordan Shakiri, who I have no doubt will go on to do great things at Liverpool because he carried us on his back for most of last season and he has just got that little bit of quality that Premier League teams need but Apart from that, there's not many departures at all. I'd have liked to have seen Charlie Adam go. I'd have liked to have seen Chupo Moting go. But ultimately, we have strengthened in most areas, with the exception of possibly a left-back. And I think we need another option up front, because aside from Benikafobi, I don't really trust any of our other strikers to score goals. 
The fans have huge faith in Gary Rowett, certainly at this early stage anyway. It's the biggest challenge of Gary Rowett's career, Stoke City, because this squad is expected to win the league. And yes, Derby are a big club, but they always bottle it. So this is a real opportunity for Gary Rowett to show his credentials as a manager. I know you guys there don't really rate him and given you've had more experience of his football that's probably fair enough but I think what Stoke needed was an injection of some kind of younger blood in the managerial hot seat Hughes, Lambert, Pulis the kind of much of a muchness to an extent so the fans are still behind Rowett they're pleased with the signings they're pleased with the players we got to stay at the club it's just now the ultimate question can we get results? Saturday is going to be a tough game for the Bees Big crowd, noisy crowd, but on the flip side, also expectant Stoke fans. How do you think it's going to pan out and give us a score prediction? Yeah, this game's going to be really, really tough to judge. You guys are obviously flying high after your fantastic opening game. And we've obviously in a bit of a slump still from the Premier League and that hammering by Leeds. Yeah, I think we could be burdened by expectation a bit. Um, not... I'm not convinced that it will be the cauldron of atmosphere the Bet365 Stadium has been in the past. Especially, there may be an air of arrogance about our fans having spent 10 years in the Premier League. There might be there might be a case of, is this little old Brentford? I'll use that phrase, clubs like Brentford, that I know you guys love. But anyone underesting that Brentford needs to give their head a wobble, to be honest. Because not only have we seen what you guys can do, in terms of your opening game, we've also seen that you guys are clearly progressing. You've got good players, you've got exciting attacking players as well. So it's going to be a real challenge for us and it's going to be a challenge for us to keep you guys at arm's length. I'm hoping and I'm kind of expecting that it could be quite a entertaining game. Both sides will be going for the win. Both sides have the potential to create exciting attacking opportunities. So... I'm hoping that Stokes players remember how good they are and they're hoping the fans give them that kind of breathing space to allow them to express themselves. Optimistically, I'm going to say 2-1 to Stoke City. So David from the Wizards of Drivel, interesting and good set of lads and lasses up there as well. Looking forward to seeing them on Saturday, which is all good, but look, before we go and see them, we always have a slightly alternative version of away games the besotted alternative trip and this one's going to be a sort of besotted alternative stoke tour we've got a little besotted tour and listen guys if you get up to stoke early which i know a lot of you are doing you might want to be checking out a few of these things savvy b i know you're very excited about where you're going on stoke before the game and where is that yeah i, I am genuinely very excited by this there are two words in the english language that when you put them together make up a, a phrase that is just unbelievable Monkey Forest. <laughs> okay, well, what's that all about? Well, in Trentham, near Stoke-on-Trent, they have a monkey forest. There are 140 wild monkeys just roaming around. This forest, they are wild. They're, in fact, some of them are livid, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's got uh, 4.4 stars out of 5 on TripAdvisor, which is pretty impressive. And they've only lost that sort of 0.6 of a star because the banana cafe... <laughs> no, the banana cafe isn't that really up to scratch. So maybe avoid the, the banana cafe. But uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just li- g- give you a quick idea about what it's what it's about. 
You can walk with monkeys at Trentham Monkey Forest. Uh, it's situated in ancient Staffordshire woodland. Monkey Forest is home to 140 free roaming Barbary macaques. With no cages or bars, the monkeys are free to roam the forest and live as they would in the wild. I mean, honestly, Monkey Forest. I'm going. It's fantastic. So, excellent, excellent. Wait, wait, and again, where can you find the Monkey Forest? It's at Trenton Park. Trenton Park, yeah. So this is all good. Listen, listen, we've got an action-packed day for Bees fans. We've got football, we've got train, we've got canals, we've got monkeys. The Allard, what have you got for well, us? We didn't, we didn't plan in this before, and I picked the monkey forest too, and much for the same reason as Sav. Is it two? Is it two of them? No, no, there is only one. But you see, you see, the way I work with TripAdvisor is I always look at the bad reviews to try and give me a feel for whether this is something I would like. So I looked at at the bad reviews. These are the ones that take you down from the magical 5 to the 4.5. And um, and the 1 out of 5 review from Gareth W, he complains that basically it's a walk with monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't really argue that, can you? Carl, Carl M, 590, he's from Stoke. He just headlines his 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 two out of five review. Another one that brings it down to the four point five. Monkeys. If you like monkeys, knock yourself out. And then and then and then, Luby Lou Luby Lou seventy six. Overpriced and to be honest, dull is what Luby Lou says. The monkey forest is essentially areas of woodland where monkeys roam free. Now I don't know what Luby Lou expected. But it is what it says on the tin, right? Louie Lou's not very happy. Listen, listen, but listen, don't let that put you off. If you want to go see some monkeys, you know what to do. You've got two reviews there. Laney? Sounds a really good place to work up a bit of an appetite, if I'm honest with you, Bill. Okay. You've, you've walked around the monk, monkey forest. And then um, you obviously, what, what you're looking for after that is a bit of an oak cake boat. Oh. So oak cakes are a, a delicacy that um, Stoke is... Um, not really famous for but everyone oatcake was the name of their fanzine for, for many years um, and oatcake's like a bit of a pancake I'd say but there's a boat it's a barge along the canal whereabouts is it? in Stoke if people want to go there exactly where is it? oh exactly where it is it's off, um, it's off Brown Hills Road it's in the, um, the Westport Lake in Tunstall um, the postcode is ST6 if, you, if you've got a stat nav um, and um Basically, you know, um, uh, Helen, Helen W, she visited it when she was moored in her boat at um, Middle Lake pot, pot, Pottery. She had a bacon and cheese oat cake, which was perfect. It was very tasty and was th- they thoroughly enjoyed it with a lovely cup of tea. They'll certainly keep an eye open for that next time they're cruising along Stoke. And um, now there's, there's, one, there's another one here that uh, I have to, but while I can still breathe. It's um, um, by um, uh, oh, cheese, cheese and oat cakes. Um, he was trudging along the canal last weekend, and he happened upon this little gem. I was hungry, and my dog was starving, so this seemed like the perfect heaven scent. I'll keep it brief. The people were lovely. The oat cakes were fresh, lovely, and I was full. 
Excellent, excellent. So basically you can get a bit of tucker, a bit, a bit of local tucker. You know, like if you go to Middlesbrough, you can have a palmo. If you go to Stoke, you can get an oat cake. Uh, but also if you need to get a wash it down with a, a drink as well. We've been talking to our chums, our Stoke chums out there to try and find out where we're going to drink. And we've been struggling a little bit because a lot of the Stoke people say don't necessarily go to the town centre, go to different places like Stone or go to Newcastle on the Lime or even go to Leek. There's all over the place. So we've been searching around trying to find a proper, proper venue. And then I came across this. And I thought, oh my God, this is like TripAdvisor, I don't know, it's number one of 66 nightlife in Stoke-on-Trent. This is number one, and it's called Bargin Booze. B-A-R-G-E-I-N-N Booze, Bargin Booze. And basically, it's a boat that sells booze on the canal on the Old Weldon Road. I think it might be up Handyway. I'm not 100% sure the Stokies to tell me. Stoke-on-Trent ST4 it is. And basically, it's a, you go down the canal, and it's a boat that sells booze. And people say, like, you know, Wayne, Elaine, fantastic, perfect way to end a nice walk in the sunshine. Wayne served us a nice drink, you know. Wayne is lovely, he's the best service ever. Amazing find, Wayne. So basically everyone just seems to be really happy. Wayne's yeah, Wayne's World is, is, the, is, is the key, is the one. Barge in booze, I mean, any, 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 any barge, any boat which is called Barge in Booze, where somebody goes down the supermarket, buys a load of cans and sells it to people on the towpath. It's, it's got to be worth a bit of a visit. Not being funny, like, where else in Britain can you go that you can have like monkey magic, some oat cakes and some bar, Barge in Booze and, and, and watch Brentford win? That's un- un- unbelievable. Listen, we'll see about that. But listen, we're going to come back to the game on Saturday. Like I said to you, we heard from the Wizards of Drivel and their thoughts on the game. But let us have our thoughts on the game. We've played one game last Saturday against Rotherham. They played, well, they played, played a game against Leeds United. And uh, we're going to come head to head with Gary Rowett again. And I know no one around this table is a massive fan of Rowett. I'm definitely not a massive fan of Rowett. I know you said that you're not a massive fan of Rowett. This style of football, like I said, when we played Derby last season and literally in the second half, they were winning 1-0 and Derby did not come out of their half. We had 91% possession and they had 11 men behind the ball. It was the most boring, boring, boring game of football. Admittedly, we couldn't cut through them until we got the equaliser. But we got a Rowettism again. Sav, do you think we have the capability to actually combat Rowett's really negative tactics I think if he does come out uh, negative because he's playing at home this time and he's the new manager with a new team uh, and he's got fans to impress um, if, if he's thinking okay this, this club wants uh, Tony Pulis Mark II because that's when they were at their best in the Premiership uh, then he might just come and do Tony Pulis Mark II and then we probably we're going to have to up our game. You know, we're, we're going to have to work out how to get past that miserable defensive uh, lineup he can put out. Uh, they've got good players, uh, a lot of them Premiership players, and it just depends. Do they want to play in the in the um, Championship? Do they want to play Rowett's way? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so early in the season. It's probably the best time to play them because it's so early in the season. He doesn't know what he wants. The fans don't know what to expect. Uh, we don't know what we're gonna what we're gonna see. So, I think we could just just go for it where our tails are up. Uh, we've got nothing to lose. <laughs> just go for it, and uh, I think we yeah. I, I don't see why we can't just come away with a two 0 win. Two 0 the savvy beat. Interesting. The Allard. I think I'll probably say more or less what Sad says. I mean, look, it's not a better time to play Stoke at Stoke than um, this weekend. Where it is under pressure. Um, you feel like he he must feel like he needs to 
um, get his team to put a performance in against um, against us on Saturday. And let's be brutally honest, the one thing he's not very good at is getting teams to put a performance in. What he's good at is, you know, grabbing a goal and then and then basically locking up the hatches. So um, I, I think it's a great time to play him. I, I would be surprised if we don't get something out of Saturday. Very surprised. Score prediction? Um, I would say 2-0 to Bees. Ooh. Laney? Well, Leeds, Leeds showed us how, how to play them. Just, just hound them, chase them. We have to put in the shift. I hope Brentford players have got a lot of energy on Saturday because we're gonna we're gonna have to literally chase every ball, um, mark them, not let not let them settle on the not let them settle whatsoever. Take our chances as and when they come. Uh, I just I, I despair really for Stoke fans. You know, I would rather have a season ticket for Monkey Forest than for, for Stoke City. As a- absolutely, you know, I prefer I prefer to be um, counting the red ar- red ass baboons in the forest than watching. But is this specifically Clukas. because of, 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 of Gary Rowett? Is that yeah, why? yeah, yeah? But because of Gary Rowett, you yeah. have to understand Stoke fans. Sorry, this is not disrespect to you. We have a we have this thing with the, the Rowett. It's quite bad. It goes back quite a while. Yeah, they, 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 he, he plays really really base football, and you know, uh, I, you know, I think under Hughes. Stoke kind of evolved slightly, and, and, and he's, he'll take you back. Yeah, I just, I just want to um, sort of say that I'm not, I'm not. This isn't an overall diss towards Stoke. I'm just saying that Saturday is the time to play them. Where it will sort Stoke out, and he will make them incredibly hard to beat. And um, and who knows where that will lead them. I just think on Saturday he, may, you know, there, there is a possibility they may have other other ideas on their um, in, on their minds. Lenny, did you give us a good prediction? Uh, 2-1 Brentford. Brentford. And for myself as well, I've already said, and I was on the Business of Drivel podcast last week, I said a draw would be good, something like one all. Um, yeah, the weeks come on, and as you know, the rose-tinted glasses come out. And also, I forgot about the, the Rowett factor, and I, I actually really want to beat Rowett, so I want actually for us to be in there and do the business. So I'm actually going to go 2-1 to the Bees as well on I'll Saturday. Take I'll take a draw. You know, yeah, of course, yeah, we'll all take a draw around the table here as well. So listen, this has been great. Besotted Pride of West London podcast. It's been a bit of a bumper one because it's been the not the um, transfer window podcast because we've got the transfer window on the 31st of August. This was just a little bit of a, a tester to see how it will go. We were going to get Phil Giles to talk on this one to see how the transfer window went but we thought actually there's no point asking him now we might as well ask him on the 1st of uh, September when the actual real transfer windows come but like I said to you for us this has been Sotted World Pod on the podcast check us out on Monday 9 o'clock radio show Love Sport you know you can get it on radio you can get it on online you can get it all sorts of stuff as well also you check out the podcast like I said to you it's going to be live and other than that like I said to you we're going to go to Stoke on Saturday we've got a pre-season or a, pre- a post-match podcast after the Stoke game um, at about 6.30 7 o'clock check it out besotted.com but other than that as we say we're going to beat them as we say Come on, days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans